Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Invez podcast. I am Dan Ashmore, financial analyst here at Invez and today I'm joined by Jake Yocompiat who is CEO of Decred, the uh, cryptocurrency. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm doing pretty well. Yourself, Dan? Yeah, not too bad. And uh, t- today we're going to talk about a bit of a novel uh, topic. We're going to talk about elections, which is obviously quite topical given what's going on in the US right now. But we are going to focus specifically on Brazil and talk about the implications of blockchain with the election that's just happened there, their presidential election, and look at maybe the the direction that this could go in general going forward. So, um, yeah. So, Jake, uh, do you maybe want to give us a little intro to what exactly happened with blockchain in Brazil? Sure thing. So, um, in the Brazilian elections, that was going into a pretty you know hotly contested election with Bolsonaro versus uh, versus Lula. And there was a lot of contention about um, what people's policies would would be. That is that there is there's a lot of um, information flow issues in Brazil. That is that, you know, there's a lot of things that are regarded as disinformation. There's a lot of state control of the uh, social media um, content there. And apparently what had been happening is, is that there had been uh, false policy documents being circulated by you know basically political opposition groups so for example you know one you know candidate a in this case it was it was lula's party would publish their policies and then that document would become edited and then would be circulated via various means via email via you know other media outlets and that would create a lot of uh, doubt about what the policy the actual policies or declared policies of uh, you know of a particular uh, elected official and their you know in their in their cabinet or whatever would be so so that came up and that became a major issue uh, you know or a sufficiently major issue in, in this in this 2022 election for Brazil that they decided to use blockchain technology to secure that information nominally. Yeah, so I, I mean, I guess it kind of symbolizes like. The whole thing about fake news has kind of really come online in the last five or six years. So it's obviously a super prominent topic. But how exactly was blockchain used here to help combat this? So in this context, what was done is that um, uh, Lula and Haddad uh, had taken their policy document and then anchored that into the Decred blockchain using our, uh, we have a website, I think it's uh, timestamp.decred.org. And they had used that to anchor their document so that they could then, for example, have a page on their website where they say, this is the policy document we're committing to. And then here's a link to that document, a link to the timestamp of this document on the Decred blockchain. So by doing that, it's, it's, it's effectively an enhanced commitment to a particular set of policies or, or declared policies. Uh, whether they actually follow through on those policies is a whole nother matter entirely, but it, you know what people declare as their policies is important, and that's that's one way of committing to it. To go, I'm going to anchor this in a blockchain, and then I'm going to commit to a particular you know document hash, and I'm going to show people that document hash to say, hey, these are these are these really are our policies. Now, I'm not uh, as to the best of my knowledge, it was not a cryptographically signed document, so that would have been sort of the next level up. But uh, this is a this is an incredibly generic problem, despite the fact that this is specifically something that happened in Brazil. 
Um, this is something that can happen anywhere, just like you were pointing out with this notion of fake news. That is that what is real and what is false is becoming increasingly uh, you know, difficult to discern, particularly with the advent of stuff like deep fakes. So for example, you know, somebody can take an audio recording, you know, a, a bunch of audio of either me or you, and then make us say you know, incredibly offensive things and be like, look what Dan said, look what Jake said. And so it begs the question, how do you, how do you deal with that problem going forward? And I think that a system like this would be, would be the right way to do it. That is that people would make statements cryptographically sign them with a key that's attributable or linked to their, you know, to their public identity. And then they would time anchor it in, you know, in a system like, like the timestamping system that we use for Decred and then go, Hey, I, you know, I committed to saying this at this time, and then you can't go backwards and take it back or lie about it. And then also people can't go, Hey, well, how do we know it was actually you that committed to that information? Yeah, so you're dead right. Like it, it's it's such a general problem. We're kind of just using Brazil here as an example because you know they've just gone through what was a quite a, a controversial and close election. Um, but like my immediate question here is like th this all makes perfect sense to me, and it's like yeah, that's great. You can put it on the blockchain and you can verify these policy documents. But there's a couple of things I think of, and like the first one is say what? Why do we specifically need a blockchain for this? Like what would it say? Just to play devil's advocate here, what if the presidential candidate in whatever country we're in uh, just comes out and tweets it on Twitter and is like, right, this is my policy document. And then people can go compare that to what he tweeted. Like what exact purpose? I mean, what, what advantage is the blockchain adding to this? Well, I think the advantage of a blockchain here is it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, your question is a good one in the sense that it, that it probes something that's relatively deep about these networks, you know, when it comes to cryptocurrencies is that Twitter and all social media as it currently exists are custodial networks. That is that you give your information to someone else and hope that it, they, they do, do, they do what, what they say they're going to do with it. In the same way that you give a policy document to somebody, you go, I hope you don't edit this and make it up and start circulating, you know, like an altered version and, and making, you know, fabricating uh, lies about me. So when you publish things on Twitter, you can always delete it. You can always go back and delete it. Twitter can delete it. Twitter can censor it. You know, Twitter can manipulate it. So that's the real, the, the reason that just tweeting things on, you know, on social media is, you know, is considered insufficient in a way is that these are custodial networks. So when you tweet something on a, or when you publish content on a, on a custodial network, you are risking, uh, you know, the, the custodian in this case, in your example, Twitter either doing something unethical or you deleting it or, you know, basically disappearing from that custodial platform. So that might be a good enough, you know, a good enough system for some, but what blockchains really bring to the, you know, to the table is a non-custodial, uh, you know, piece of infrastructure, which is that you can anchor something and, and people have a very strong guarantee that that information existed on or before a certain time when it was anchored. It's an incredibly strong, you know, guarantee. And there's no way that say, even I, as somebody who's, you know, who's, who's pretty, you know, pretty senior in terms of the, the uh, Decred, you know, the Decred project, I can't go delete that. I can't hide it. I can't manipulate it. That's anchored in the blockchain. And there's no, there's really no changing that. So that's really the difference between just say, declaring things outright in public and, you know, and, and then using a blockchain in this context. So that, you know, that distinction is, you know, is, is, is substantive. And it also, it, it's also simpler because in a lot of cases you can just point to like, well, look what I said in this interview. And it's like, well, how do I know, you know, 
What if that interview gets uh, edited and then somebody takes your statement and cuts it in half and it sounds like you're saying something different when they only listen to half of it as opposed to the whole thing? So so it really just resolves a lot of problems. It, it takes all these corner and edge cases that people would have to deal with on you know by publishing stuff on Twitter and just sort of throws them in the bin and goes, okay, this is simple. They've committed to this document. And so it's very hard to fake these things compared to, say, a custodial network. Yeah, it's. It, I suppose, and, and Twitter does present as like a pretty or very good example here. Just in the case of like, obviously, you think of of Trump and and the kind of active role Twitter is playing in over the last few years, but also that it's obviously just been sold to Elon, and now there's a one guy in charge of, of disseminating all this uh, information. And obviously, free speech is such a massive topic in this whole takeover, and like one of well, what Elon Musk says is one of his motives behind it. So it is interesting that you say that. One one thing that i've always looked upon to blockchain with regards to elections is like obviously this is one thing information and i guess that's more of a general point with with blockchains as well but one thing that really intrigues me is you know you've got blockchain which is at its heart a public ledger of wallets containing money for the most part like and when we look upon this in the context of donations like that to me is pretty interesting so you can see political donations and i know like decred back in 2020 like you guys in brazil like you were connected to this as well. So do you want to maybe talk about like the potential there? Yeah, sure thing. So so if we go back to 2020, there were uh, municipal elections in Brazil for like the mayoral races in major cities like uh, I think Sao Paulo and Rio. And some of these uh, some of the candidates for these uh, for these races made a point to commit publicly, uh, you know, in a similar way that is taking uh, um, basically donations to their campaigns and publishing them and time stamping those you know those uh those donations and then publishing that information the idea being um what it does is it adds um accountability to the donations they're receiving so my inference is and you know i say this because i don't know a lot of the ins and outs of how things work uh you know politically in brazil is that my inference is, is that you know campaign donations are a shadowy enough, uh, you know, sort of uh, like subdomain of politics in Brazil that people thought they could actually get an edge in a, uh, you know, in, you know, in a, an election by saying, hey, I'm going to commit to the, the, the donations that I, you know, that I'm receiving publicly in an effort to try to make it more transparent. That is that, you know, there's the transparency in this context is sorely lacking in Brazil. So this is, this isn't the first time this has been done in Brazil. And what it what it also you know circles back to and connects to is that with Decred, one of the things we really focus on is it's sort of like the beating heart of Decred is secure voting effectively, so that you know our every block has uh, votes on it. Every uh, every time we change consensus rules, there's votes on that. Every time we want to talk about budgets and and you know planning and directing uh, directing work off chain, there's votes on that. So when you have transparency, people can see things and go, oh, okay, I, you know, that's that's fair. That's uh, you know, people people are having their sovereignty, uh, you know, respected. Whether that's the you know the donors of the money or the people voting for a candidate, uh, you know, in hopes of getting somebody who's a little bit maybe a little bit less corrupt than the than the next guy. Yeah, like, and it's like to me, it's just one of the most powerful aspects of blockchain because you see like there is nothing more obviously like by definition that the public can have an interest in than their elections like that is who the public is you know choosing to for them to lead their country wherever that country may be so like for me it should be super super transparent like what 
politicians are getting what funds and like where they're coming from. So like if blockchain can help with that, like to me, that makes perfect sense. Um, do you think like that we're far off from this having a tangible impact on the actual voting side of things, though, in terms of like could elections ever take place on the blockchain or is that just kind of a fanciful uh, is that fantasy land talk right now? I think it's I think it's totally it's totally possible. And I think that's really ultimately the future of voting um, from the perspective of, you know, like if you're talking about voting, it doesn't necessarily need to be explicitly on the blockchain. I think it would be sort of voting with blockchain technology. Right. You, I mean, most projects, uh, I mean, just to give you an idea, let's say there's a I don't know, even voting. I, I live in Florida here in the U.S. And so I don't know, there's like 30, you know, 30 million ish people here in Florida. I mean, 30 million transactions for votes being on anybody's blockchain would be like, oh man, that's a lot of that's a lot of junk we got to deal with now, and it would flood most blockchains and sort of you know make it difficult to use for normal transactions. So I think that what's what's you know what what we would be more likely to see is effectively a voting system that's actually very similar to what we have with uh, what we have with Decred, except in the context of nation state voting, so that you cast you can. Uh, you could go and get your ballot cryptographically. You can cast your vote cryptographically. You could potentially have privacy via similar mechanisms to what we use uh, for our stake shuffle privacy system. And then you can even uh, you can even see the votes tallied publicly. You can see where all the you can you can uh, you could even attribute ballots to addresses, but you can't see how the ballots were cast. And then you could also do things like go like, hey, I can actually see that my vote was tallied towards the total. And, uh, you know, so you can see that you can see your ballot, you can see your vote, and then you can confirm that it's actually tallied towards the total. I mean, right now, uh, what was it? I had gone to vote uh, here yesterday. And I, I mean, the the systems are, are comically, you know, behind the times. It's like you fill out a sheet of paper, you punch holes in it, depending on where you are. Yeah. And then you go and you feed it into a machine and then you're like, oh, your vote's been counted. And it's like, how do I know my vote's been counted? It's like, I just put a piece of paper in a machine. You could mark that any way you want and just make it up and be like, oh, well, the person you voted for lost and be like, how do I know my vote was counted? So I think voting systems in general are something that are in dire need of an upgrade. I mean... I'll go a, you know, a measure further and say this is that do we even really need elected officials in an age of you know, ubiquitous telecommunications and cryptography? Because right, the idea with elected officials is that they vote on your behalf and then you go, where did that idea come from? That, that idea is like 200 years old. It's like, well, you know, like, I don't know, people in a state, there's a million people in a state. And then, you know, there was no telecommunications. You couldn't like, you couldn't make decisions. Those million people can't can't all contribute to the decision-making process because it's like, oh, look at all that mail. It'd take forever. It'd be too slow. And, you know, with telecommunications, that all that stuff goes right out the window. So it begs the question, do you even really need politicians anymore? So, you know, hey, there's some new measure that people want to vote on. I don't understand why we have to, you know, elect an official to do that. We should be able to do that directly. <laughs> okay, we're, we're getting uh, way into the future here right now. But if, if, if we, like... <laughs> Well, that's how that's how that's how it works with deep cred. You don't you don't elect me. You just you vote for stuff. You vote for policies, not for people. <laughs> so if we like, and, and your your point about like you go in and it's the same. Like I'm 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 from Ireland, so we have I don't know even compared to Florida, like our entire country is less than five million people, so a lot less votes. But it's the same principle. Like you go in and you write on a piece of paper, which whatever about you know is my vote count or whatever. Like it's just it's just an inefficient system. Like it takes then then a day or two for all the results to come out. And like when in, in a world where almost everything's been digitalized, it kind of does beg the beg the question, like why? But I guess the flip side of that, and and this is a problem like 
that blockchain and crypto has across the board not never mind just compared to this but like it's the accessibility issue like i'm thinking like if my grandparents go in like when you talk about blockchain there and maybe this is more relevant to looking at like putting the document like if we go back to brazil and putting their document online on a blockchain like is the average person able to use a blockchain and go on and check that because right now like if i'm thinking of my non-crypto friends and when they ever ever ask me anything they're always like like, like even if i direct them to uniswap or something they have to like put in their seed phrase or, or or like make a wallet put in their seed phrase and connect it like they're like oh how does that work like so is, is that a problem that needs to be overcome is that what's really holding this thing back I mean, my read is, is that all the all the voting stuff could be, you know, hidden behind an app. Unlike, you know, in the context of voting, you could completely do away with the notion of seed phrases. You don't need seed phrases. You don't really even need a wallet. All you need is the ability to have somebody give you a valid ballot and then you vote it and then you're done. There's no extra state that has to be maintained. So that's one of the challenges that comes with uh, the cryptocurrency space, which is, you know, with a wallet is basically a set of state that you have to propagate forward into the future. So it gets messy when you start talking about wallet seeds. You need to keep track of that wallet seed and you need to know when to enter it and when not to enter it. And then you, you need to know about what what is it like hot and cold storage. There's all kinds of, you know, things that you need to know in order to use a wallet that uh, that you wouldn't need to do uh, for a voting system. So for a voting system, like, for example, there's some authority that confirms that, you know, my face matches the picture on uh, my driver's license or it's close enough. Then it goes, OK, here's your ballot. And the ballot is basically like, you know, it's like a string of numbers. It's a nonce. And then you go back and then you can get and then you can cast You can use that to cast a vote. And then the vote gets cast and then you're basically given a receipt. You can literally download your vote. You can save your ballot, save your vote. And then you could even use an app or, you know, even a website to check that information to be like, hey, um, did this get counted towards the total? And they're like, yeah, it got counted here. And here's the block that it was anchored in, you know, and when I say anchored in, I mean, you know, it's not actually explicitly in a block, but it's anchored in that block. So using blockchain to create a, you know, a secure voting system that has, you know, properties that are, un that are, that go way beyond whatever, you know, whatever, you know, dominion voting systems or, or whatever is, is currently working with would be relatively trivial, trivial in comparison to actually making a blockchain that does all these same things. So I think it's totally feasible to make it so it's accessible even to old people. So for example, you could vote from your home. You have an app, it checks, you know, make sure that you got a liveness check and that your face kind of matches, gives you a ballot, you hit some buttons, you cast it, it gets published on a public network, it gets anchored and then it gets tallied and then you can check it later. I mean, it's like, you, but you don't need to do this stuff like you were saying with wallets where you track state for, you know, days, years or decades, depending on how long you keep your wallet. Yeah. And, and like a lot of what you're saying kind of makes sense. And I'm like, oh, that, that would be great if that happened. And, you know, it's it's almost like a seductive vision to have. Like, it's much easier. It's much more efficient. It's more transparent. Like all these things that you want. One thing I'm wondering, like, and it, and it feels relevant on like for any listeners, we're, we're recording this on like Wednesday, November 9th, which is like FDX, the whole FDX fiasco is going down, <laughs> which is kind of just <laughs> it's just the latest um the latest blow to crypto in terms of like, like if you pull up financial times right now, it's on the front page of financial times. And it's just, it's another hit to crypto's reputation. Like, is this, is this kind of thing holding back like real use cases, like what we're talking about here with, with politics and like potentially going on the blockchain, like, especially when I'm, I'm just trying to think like, if you're trying to get politicians in power to like introduce this or, you know, regulation and whatnot, like how big a problem are all these Lunas and Celsiuses and, and now FTX? I think that, um, it's inevitable that 
when there's hot money, anything involving where all the money is flowing, whether it's, you know, venture capital and tech or, you know, blockchain or, you know, it, fintech, any of these domains where there's hot money flowing, it's going to be full of scammers. That's really been one of my observations uh, being in the space for, I mean, I'm, I think I'm almost at the 10 year mark. So I've been here a decade and it's full of scammers. In fact, I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm in a bit of a political position here myself, which is, I th I feel like most of the people in the space are scammers. And, uh, you know, I, I'm here trying to, I'm here as like the tech guy. And I've been doing this for a long time because I really, I, I, I really like the technology. The money part of it is kind of like, hey, money's cool too. But for most people, it's actually the reverse. It's that money's the, money's the major driver is like, how can I get as rich as I can, as quick as I can, everybody else be damned. And that really, I, I think that damages the, the reputation of the space. But it's also inevitable by, by merit of the fact that this is, where the, this is where there's a lot of hot money. So there's a lot of hot money flowing in and out of crypto. And so there's, you know, there's always going to be scammers and it's, and it definitely does damage to the reputation of the space. And it does make it harder to, to implement real, what I consider to be real sort of societally beneficial use cases for the technology. And th this also touches on the, the thing that you touched on earlier, which is why don't you just publish the information on Twitter, which is it's a custodial network. And then you go back well, and you and if you asked me, Jake, even if you would have asked me several months ago, it wouldn't have been a very popular question or a very popular answer to be like, Jake, why don't why don't you trust FTX? And I would say that the reason I don't trust FTX is because it's it's a custodial network. And the same thing goes for pretty much every centralized exchange out there. Is is that you know there's some I trust more than others, but I mean, hey, I'm here for the decentralized networks and the non-custodial networks, not the Hey, it's just another sort of ball and cup to implement a you know a, a custodial network. That's sort of backwards to me, and I think that it I think that it hurts the space overall. But it's it's inevitable. It's just you know it's sort of like a, just something we have to deal with collectively and and suck up and you know try to try to work fast. Yeah, I mean the irony here when we're talking about FTX is that and I tweeted this out yesterday on Twitter is that like I feel like a lot of this could be solved if FTX just had an on-chain wallet with proof of reserves. You know, you, you could see exactly who's insolvent and what liquidity is and whether reserves are backed up. But yeah, let let me just like close out close this out with one more question, like and a follow-on. So what's happening in brazil is cool and we're seeing like the, these policy documents and you can verify them and whatnot and, and you're talking about your yourself with decred and, and the municipal donations back in 2020 but like how far off do you think blockchain is from actually being like intrinsically evolved in the voting system or having like a real impact on how elections are decided or, or like the process behind them like are we talking year super hard question to answer but like yeah just maybe your general thoughts there in the timeline huh. I mean, we could churn something out pretty quick tech-wise, but it becomes a question of implementation. Who's going to implement it right. and what are what's their incentives? So I think one of the challenges that you're going to run into is, is that politicians um, and politics, even implementing a new system to, uh, you know, to, to uh, what is it, for voting is political. So you have to get through. So to improve the politics overall, you have to cut through the politics of implementing a voting system. So I think that you're going to run into a lot of challenges, which is, who you know? For example, um, if if a party is is knowingly involved in a lot of vote fraud, that party will definitely not want a more accountable, more transparent, you know, uh, cryptographic system for voting. They'll be like, "Oh, absolutely not!" And, you know, it's I don't know, it's racist or or whatever. They'll make up whatever whatever things they have to say to prevent a system 
like that from being implemented. And I, I, I expect that, uh, you know, that would be one of the major challenges to getting implemented, which is that there's always somebody, I mean, basically any game you play, you know, whether it's video games or life or first life or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, there's somebody cheating. And <laughs> the person who's cheating, if they're, if they're running the table, they will not want something like this implemented. I mean, this is also why I would expect that FTX would not have wanted to do a proof of reserves uh, sort of uh sort of system because if there was a proof of reserves they never could have gotten as big as they were they never could have gotten as leveraged as they were and they never could have you know you know sam bankman fried when it ended up on the cover of all these you know stupid finance magazines and uh you know become mm -hmm. a you know a celebrity so uh the incentive it's all about incentives and there, there are always going to be incentives to prevent or block systems from being implemented and, uh, you know, I, I've had to deal with that with Decred with our, you know, with our mining subsidy changes. We, you know, we had problems and we felt like the miners really seemed to be opposing the project and trying to hold us back. And it's like, you know, we tried to implement, you know, uh, a change and it's like people fought us. They caused problems. They got upset. They maligned us. They claim I'm a bad leader. And so it's like I would expect similar things to happen in the context of voting just with whoever, you know, whoever benefits most from the malleability of the custodial systems that are in place. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's it's just super interesting to think about it ever. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's just politics are, are so central to everything in society. It'd be very, very interesting to think about it. But I guess we can we can rehash this in a couple of years and see if we're any closer. Um, <laughs> thanks, Jake, for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Super interesting, as always. Uh, thanks for having me, Dan.